Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Indie RPG Hour. Uh, I am, or today we are talking about uh, TTRPG and queer intersectionality. Um, I am RPG Hour, they, them. Uh, you can also find me at NB Mecha Pilot. Um, and today I'm joined by NB Dare. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Dare. Uh, I do a lot of stuff online, honestly. Uh, my two main things are. You can find me on Twitter or TikTok at nbdare, E-N-B-Y-D-A-R-E. Um, yeah, any pronouns, uh, he, they, she, all work. As long as you switch them up, I'm all good. Sorry, fixing. Oh, you're all good. The slow just degradation of my hat. Wonderful. <laughs> Me and this hat are going to be doing battle the rest of the night. See, I will say this, like, I, I love hats, but I've never found a hat that isn't, like, a baseball cap that I have liked on me. And I'm always jealous when people are like, oh, look at this hat I found. And I'm like, I, I can't wear something like that. It just, it never sits right. I, I only enjoy snapbacks whenever my hair is freshly dyed. That way I can show off a little bit right in the front. And then wide brims, I do love Wearing any hat with streaming is ridiculous, but this is always a fun challenge for me. <laughs> it is my, incredibly needless. My main thing is because I still somewhat am active. I'm like getting back into skateboarding. I have some other things that I do. Like I have a lot of hair. It is much easier to put on a cap, put my hair under the cap, and call it a day. And like I will do that like even like oh, going out and doing this. Okay, just like put it up right quick. It's just so much easier. And um my partner is like, no, just put it in a ponytail or no, put it down. And I'm like, nah. I, I love not having a lot of it. Having like just a small amount. I want to grow it out and I am. It takes forever because of the way my hair works. Uh, me dyeing it all the time probably does not help it. But, you know, you know it looks good on the way. So it'll, it'll get there. Uh, yeah, my sibling is very much, uh, one of my siblings is very much in the same uh, I cannot count the amount of times that he has dyed his hair. Um, and all of the rest of us are counting our grays already. And uh, we have no clue if he has any grays because it's dyed all the time. So, um, and he's also I'll never only, know. He's also the only other one uh, that plays tabletop role-playing games. So um, that is always a fun thing. But let's see. Yeah, tabletops are a thing we do, huh? We, we could just keep talking about hair for the next time. I know. And, and if this was, if, if, if certain other people were here and not on vacation, uh, I will not name names, um, uh, then this could end up being a hair stream um, because that is what he sometimes will do. Um, so uh, TTRPG and queer uh, intersectionality. So the biggest question that I kind of have that goes along with this is for you, what does this what is your biggest hope what is the biggest thing are you looking for a game that is geared towards queer play are you looking for a game that just facilitates it like what is your kind of like golden hour so to speak like what would be a ttrpg that um would be the epitome of that for you hmm. um i think ooh, that's that's a good question oh ooh, that's a good one because uh, like so layered um, I think it depends on exactly what I'm looking for with that game. Uh, if it's a, like, I, I, for one, am a sucker for superhero games. Uh, I'm a sucker for Henshin and Masks in particular. They both own my heart. One day I will be in a mask campaign. Someone hold me to that. It will happen. Um, so I do like games that are have a degree of action, but anything like that that focuses on the emotions, I think can facilitate a type of play regardless of if the game is inherently queer. Um, it's one of those things I like about any playbook style game. They tend to lean in that aspect for some reason I've noticed. Um, I, I'm i trying to think about any other games that particular tend to scratch that itch for me too. Um, there are, of course, games that are just directly queer made that easy. Just those ones without even trying are going to check off a lot of those boxes. One I haven't quite played yet, but I've been waiting for is Monster Hearts 2. I've really wanted to play that, and it's kind of wild I haven't yet um, because of just how inherently queer all of that is. But I think, for me, I look for more than queer uh, Queer games are queer people who are involved in, like, running that game. 
uh, because you can't you can't unqueer it when you have a queer like a queer DM or queer group because it is just the most like ingrained thing in the world. Yeah, and um, for those of you that are uh, tuning in, if this is your first time uh, checking out Indie RPG Hour, uh, if you are a fan of uh, some of the other people that have been on the show, we did cover some of this before. Superhero games and queer intersectionality is something that we kind of talked about before, and I'm going to bring a little bit of that up again. I think that part of the reason why those of us that are queer find ourselves honing in on superhero games, and this may just be like what I've seen at tables and stuff over the years, uh, is that it's a chance for us to define ourselves in a way because a superhero is an alternate persona. So we're able to step in and do whatever we want and kind of define ourselves, even if we are in ourselves not directly creating a uh, queer character for that game, we are definitely taking a part of ourselves and putting it out there. Um, and I think that that's kind of why I, I see I hear from a lot of queer folks uh, superhero TTRPGs. Um, and I will also say, I the only reason why I have not been in a Monster Hearts game so far is because it has been predominantly cishet people inviting me to their games. Um. <laughs> I am terrified. Like, I want to see what a cishet Monster Hearts game looks like. I, I am like, I'm curious about what that would be to see an actual play. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to like queer inclusivity, it's, it is making sure there's a lot of queer people at the table with a variety of, uh, like identity. Um, because I think a, the way like a group of like, let's say cishet white gays will play a game versus a way a more like diverse group with like a wide range of both, uh, like race and sexuality are going to play those games are going to go into wildly different directions just due to experiences shared at the table. Um, Cause I think so much of, I think the queer experience for me and I know a lot of the queer people in my life, it's sort of the shared experience, whether that being the joy or the trauma and leaning into those leads to a lot of really deep and really emotional gameplay in a way that people aren't like, will not expect besides like, like I think it's really easy for like cishet tabletops to like, only form of drama or trauma to be like direct violent action and not the feelings of like not really understand the nuances of like queer isolation that happen as you like grow up and you feel like am i am i the only one here and that is a very particular type of loneliness and like that i think it takes a queer group to do i will definitely agree the first uh time that i had a a truly deep story uh playing world of darkness i used to be a big world of darkness player for quite a many years um was a black queer storyteller um uh the group was predominantly uh still cishet and white uh but they and their partner were um both black and so like sitting down at that table like our characters um two of us were vampires and our stories went very much into a direct dramatic intersection with our sires. And I'd never had that at the table before. It was a very like your sire attacks you or, you know, why are you and your sire never like each other? And then like, it never gets played out. Um, and it was very much a, it was, we only played for three months, but this is also back in the day of meeting in person. So our games were anywhere from six to 12 hours at a time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so like, so th those three months were a lot longer. It was like a whole year of streaming uh, or more. And, um, but no, like I, I completely agree. Like that was, that game was very different. And I have never, I have since then not had a monster type um, modern day campaign or monster, uh, modern day supernatural game do the same level of anything that that game did. Um, there's been a lot of fun things that's happened, but um, no, no, it's 100%. I agree with you. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those things in which like the nuances are always just so hard to understand or so hard to like exactly hit the ways that like that lived in experience is just going to hurt in the best way, like the best type of emotional bleed. I also want to apologize to you and chat. If I look over in this direction, um, 
uh, for anything. My partner is like right over there, and so I can see her out of the corner of my eye, and uh, the things that she is doing as I'm talking, uh, where I feel like she wants to make a point, and um, uh, she's not on the stream, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, this I'm trying to think of any other like. And, like, inclusivity is such a weird thing I've been thinking about a lot more. Um, because one of the other things I've been doing more is, like, I mentioned TikTok. It's become more of an active part of my presence online in a very weird way. Um, like, I made it as, like, a fun, ironic thing to do two months ago. And now it's, like, hovering around 1,500 people following me. Which is way too many people too fast. I don't... That's scary. Um, but, like a lot of my content there is a mix of like, Hey, here are tips to make your games either more inclusive or more welcoming. Um, whether that's things like neurodivergence, um, I'm someone with ADD, um, and, and pretty, pretty sure I'm somewhere on the autistic spectrum. Not got that officially tested, but sources seem likely. Um, but that combined with stuff like the, the, uh, interplay of being like both queer and, you know, being trans and being black and, Talking about that a lot leads to a lot of very fun conversations or a lot of very interesting ways where sometimes people mean well and then they'll say something wrong and I have to be very polite. Well, I don't have to be. I choose to be very polite of like, hey, let's have a little talk. Let's, let's, this is not, whatever you meant there, there's no good interpretation of that with any good faith. So let's, let's maybe break this down. And it's also a really weird space to be in because it's a space that's really dominated by the idea of like D&D &D still, um, which is why I try a lot to make sure they're open-ended as much so I don't have to always talk about D&D &D because I play it. I don't necessarily love it. The hat is gone again. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, no, I'm right there with you, uh, but I'm also in an additional camp uh, for D&D. &D. I've been playing D&D &D since uh, third edition was out. Uh, but when I got into some other groups at that time, there were still players that played second edition and some of the other early stuff. So I'm a fan of, I, I have, there's something in almost every edition that I enjoy. And I find myself going back to some of those earlier editions because um, it was all about just rolling against a stat and not skills and stuff. And um, as I've said before, sometimes I think that that freedom kind of freed up yeah. our characters. And um, I, when you go down that road, you get OSR folks in, and when you get OSR folks in, there is an occasion where you get some very cringy people coming in. So, um, I, I have two reasons why I stick away from D and D. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's so much for me. It's a constant thing of like, I because I, I play and I DM fairly. I like I, I take sort of uh, seasons off between DMing like. D&D for my major home game and then also doing like other smaller sessions in between of like all right we're gonna play masks or monster of the week for a few for like you know eight weeks or whatever in between to just give myself a break um but one of the things I tend to see is like whenever I'm like hey you can play other games or even just switch it up just to change the way that you can it like it playing because monster of the week was my first non-D&D game I ran and playing that like immediately freed up the way that I think about how a exchange has to go, um, and I think like by not even trying a another game, you can sometimes limit yourself on your storytelling potential, because you're always set in this certain mindset of like this is how a story this is how story beats work with the pacing of this game. Switch the game up, switch the pacing. You'll do a lot of weird stuff, and it'll be great because you're like the weird stuff will always be remembered fondly. Um, at least in my experience, you know, not everyone's weird stuff is great, but I'm pretty good at weird stuff. I, you were, you were there yesterday. You saw the weird stuff I could run out of with pure improv. Oh, that stream. Exhausting. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful is what it was. Um, 100%. Um, not to get too much into D&D, &D, but what is a setting that for D&D &D that you like, whether it's a, a Wizards of the Coast or do you even use a published setting? No, never. I never have. Everything I've done is all completely homebrew. Um, like, if there's anything, it's normally I'll grab some stuff that's, like, interesting in the source books because I think the source books are, like, there can be some fun nuggets in there. Like, 
I've been looking at the closest I might run Strahd. I might modify Strahd a bit and maybe do that for like a home game because I think Strahd looks interesting and it's monsters and my group is incredibly queer. So obviously they'll be down for that. And the domain of dread stuff looks very fascinating, but most, most of the time it's even my, my DM that got me started. So we've been like, we'll take what we want from here, but most of the world, we're just going to build out ourselves. Um, like I, I don't, I think modules are fun. I've played a module game once actually now I'm remembering. Um, and it, it went, it went well, it went great, but it's just, it's not my thing. I like the freedom of homebrew. I think, I think there's four types of people that run modules um, and, and uh, pairing it down just a little bit more, uh, whether a person is queer or not running the games to pair it down to just two types of people. There's people that run the module as is, and there's people that run a module to tell the story that the module wants, but lets the players have fun within the bounds that the module offers. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I think honestly, if, if, if you're out there and you play a module and you're like, I just didn't have fun pick up that module look at how the game was played and if your game runner your game master dungeon master whatever term you use if, if if they ran it to the t or they ran it very loose go out and find somebody that does it the opposite way see if that if you like that and if you don't then maybe module play just isn't for you that like somebody doing homebrew is for you um i that's that's a little bit of advice i'll give i don't know if you agree with that or not but I, I can see that, actually, because I, I think about it, and I've only done a module thing, like, once, and I have been actually wanting to do a, a like, play in a Strahd module as well, just because I think, I think that's one that would, like, actually, like, actively grab me in a way, and I know a lot of really talented people who are, whose, like, storytelling prowess and storytelling chops I absolutely trust and admire, who run modules, and I'm like, you know what? If, if you can run a module and I know how good you are as a storyteller, I absolutely trust that you know what you're doing. Um, and I, I think it's also one of the weird things about being out in the space more actively now is I get to interact with people who I'm like, oh, I've seen your stuff and you are incredible. It's cool that you think I'm like cool enough to like do a thing. So yes, uh, like Strahd is one of those hats, number three, and get the <laughs> hat counters going. I should make a counter for things and, and drop it over in this bottom little corner. Um, I will have to do that for another stream, folks. I'm sorry. I will have Dare on, and I'll have a hat counter just in the corner. This this hat is, is devious. It's the headphones. The headphones are ruining the hat. <laughs> I will say this as somebody who's been in, in, in D&D for years, and uh, we're about to deviate from D&D for those who aren't big D&D fans. Um, as a horror fan and as, as somebody who spent a lot of years in D&D, um, my top... Wizards of the Coast um, settings were Spelljammer and were Ravenloft. And Ravenloft very much so because you're just in a world where monsters are just everything. And it's just, it's, it's this just fight to work up to Strahd of freeing towns and things like that. And, um, um, certain older uh, games you could actually gain followers when your fighter went up in level um and so it was fun playing some of those older editions and fighting up against Strahd because when you freed towns you could add those people to there so you could end up having a whole group of people um at one point i had a group where we freed an entire uh keeps worth of people we had ten thousand followers behind us high level characters we created we took over a keep near Strahd, and that's what we did. We went in and defeated Strahd with a whole army behind us. So uh, I nice. think there's a lot of fun that you can have with Strahd. And I think that definitely um, if it's something that you're going to tackle, read through not just the stuff that's now read through some of the older stuff as well, because I think that there's some fun things that have been kind of sadly oh, yeah. worked out, but, um, I, Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was thinking more also like a, a very, a very underrated part that I don't think, or that, I'm constantly aware of that I don't actually talk about too much of. Part of my, I think, thing in which, sorry to harp on D&D just a little bit longer, but, like, the thing in which why I'm also not big module-focused is I don't have that much of a soft spot for fantasy as a, as a genre. And that I think that leans into, like, being a young Black kid, like, being able to catch on to coding very quickly. So, like, that, that wasn't a thing I managed to get really into. And by the time I, like, saw stuff like Lord of the Rings... 
I wasn't at the age where it was like could enrapture me in the way like stuff like superhero stuff got me when I was like five. Like growing up, I watched the X Men cartoon and a lot of that stuff. In the way that stuff was always actively, always played in the space of like this is about diversity and about diverse people trying to survive and thrive in a world that's actively hostile to you. Always hit me harder than something like fantasy stories did. So when I think about the D and D settings that do grab me or the fantasy modules that grab me, it is going to be stuff closer to like the Eberron stuff where or even I like Spelljammers. I've seen on like looked at a lot and I think it's really cool because of like playing in that space. Uh, and the ones that aren't traditional, like high fantasy in particular, are the ones that tend to grab me more. And I think that's also why I'm, I tend to be a hardcore homebrewer. Uh, because then I get to add the, the story touches that I like really care about. And I don't, I can push aside a lot of like the ickiness that uh, fantasy had for me growing up. So, what would you say are your top three? Um tabletop genres what are the top three that grab you superheroes mecha one and two i want to say gay but i don't know if that counts as a genre but if i say that it makes sense in my head of like things that are based around like exploring relationships and like development and growth and like identity uh if i could so if i can say gay then gay is (laughs) number three we will take it. Um, so what what would you say about um, superhero and mecha more or less uh, allow you to explore or exemplify part of your queer identities? Identity. To say the most trans answer possible, mecha is about bodies. A lot like mecha is very much a genre about the idea of bodies. It says a lot. It, it's a world in which like we've created war machines in our image. What does that say about us as people? And what does it say about these poor people who are piloting it? Uh, and like exploring the sort of trauma of combat in war and like, and also the identity and like your body and what does it mean to be simply a person or a soldier of war always got me a lot about Mecha stuff. Hey, I grew up on Gundam. If you can't tell, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I watched a lot of Gundam as a child. Um, so like that's what Mecha did for me. It was like also I'm just a sucker for like the like those designs also got me a lot. Um, and in superhero stuff, it's playing with the idea of like identity and like heroism and just what does it mean to do good. Especially the ones that that got me a lot were stuff like you know X Men Spider Man. What does it mean to do good in a world that's actively hostile to you? Like those are two heroes who or two, like, franchises in which people aren't big fans of them as heroes. Um, And I think the destruction and, like, also having to contend with that idea of, like, I am doing good and no one cares about good because of the the things I leave in the wake always have hit me in a very particular way. Um, I'm also, like, I'm 25 as well, so I did grow up in, like, like, the X-Men movies and Spider-Man movies were, like, the big deal in like the early 2000s as I was growing up. Like I was like five or six when Spider-Man and X-Men one came out. So stuff like that managed to hit me in the perfect time in which like, Oh, the extra queer subtext and sometimes just literal text of the X-Men movies managed to hit in a way that I would not unpack for a lot longer, but it always like hit me there. So in regards to superhero games, do you tend to find yourself uh, more interested in the uh, superhero TTRPGs that are open-ended, uh, like the Hero System, uh, Silver Age Sentinels, um, the more like toolboxy ones that let you really build up everything that you want, or do you more towards like uh, City of Mist and um, Masks, where you know it, it, there's a lot of pre-done stuff, and then you just kind of pick some options and then you build the rest of it around um, other ideas. I, I really, I am I, like, I cannot stress how much playbooks, like how I don't know what it is about them. They like hit some part of my brain wonderfully. And I don't know if it's because I'm playing with the right level of constraints in my heart that it's like, ah, so now I know the archetype I'm going to play. That gives me a lot to work with of like, alrighty, this is going to be the realm of this character. 
this is like the second I know I'm playing a certain type of archetype, I I already can sort of set a, a character in a, a end path in sight of like here's what I want them to be or here's what I want them to have to like sort of overcome. And I think that's the thing I really enjoy about playbooks. I also don't get to until I started like streaming more. I never got to play. I was always like the perma DM and just everything I did. So like getting those like, all right, even if this game does not last long, having this playbook means I will have at least a degree of a character ready that already will have some arcs. And even a DM who does not do open-ended stuff will have some arcs there like that are encouraged to like mess with or have some like emotions that are supposed to like sort of hit in that, makes it i think generally easier uh for the groups i tend to roll with so for mecha games what mecha games have you played that really have grasped you and what about them like what about them grabbed you um i have played in well i've ran i ran beam saber um, and I've also big big friends of the table fan. Um, love love that podcast and their Beam Saber game was incredible. Um, I've read through Lancer many times. One day I will find time to play Lancer, and then Armor Astir is one that I've been looking at that I need to read through more like thoroughly. Um, but I I for Mecca anything goes because I can both love. I, like crunchy mecha games hit in this very like battle tech. I'm sitting on like my computer playing or like messing with distance and numbers in a way that I'm here for, then my brain is ready to process for mecha. And in terms of something like Beam Saber, which is closer to like which is a hack of Blades of the Dark, um, where it's much more of like, all right, this this is like definitely more of like story storytelling heavy and easier to lean into storytelling stuff. Um and I I don't know what it is about Mecca. I'm down with either way. I like those just tickle both parts of my brain. Uh, I'm right there with you. That's one of the things that that's a genre that I, I like to try. I haven't gotten to um, beam saber yet, but I have played uh, a lot of other ones. Lancer is one of those ones where I'm like, I've read through it. I don't know how many times, but I'm not confident enough to run it. Can somebody else run it? <laughs> um yes. There's a lot of remembering and a lot of crunch in there that I am not a crunch DM. That is not what I excel at. I excel at like lighthearted or stuff that I've been playing for years. See, I'm on, I'm, I can't do the middle ground stuff. I either need stuff that's like very, very rules light. Um, or I need something that has a lot of crunch in it. I can't do the in between. Um, those I just noticed that like I, I flounder or I have to like add so many house rules that we might as well be using something else. Um, but have you ever tried uh, Mechton or the actual BattleTech uh, tabletop role playing game? I've never like I've looked at BattleTech the actual uh, TTRPG. I've never got to play that one, and I have not got to play Mechton either. I will say if you're down for some crunch, I like both of those. Um, of those two, Mechton is my favorite for two reasons. One, it's an anime-based one. Uh, and nice. two, I like that you can down a, a person-sized character or a mech um, by disabling specific parts rather than just having to take HP all the way down. Um, That's great. Yeah, it, it, it's it's body parts um, or, or, like, you know, you could just take down the servo of a mech and, you know, take down its engines. And for somebody who loves mechs, it's like I can just, like, focus on one thing. I'm not having to just, like, drop their HP. Yeah, um, they're not just a tank or a sponge. <laughs> exactly. Um, kind of like like the game Titanfall is one of those where it's like, mm -hmm. ah, you can jockey one and take out this one core, you'll mess, you'll completely screw it up, and I love, love that. If you were to get to play in a um, mecha game tomorrow, what kind of character would you want to play? That's such a hard, like, what character, this is also why I like playbook. <laughs> character archetypes are really hard for me because it really depends on my group. I, whenever I play any game, I tend to go last. Not because of, like, I, I'm very much a support type uh, when it comes to picking a character. I, because I, 
like I've DM'd enough that I know I can play in the space of pretty much any archetype fairly easy. So it for me, it's always a situation of, all right, everyone else has picked this, 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 and this, um, which means now I know here are my options. Which one do I want to mess with more for a storytelling perspective? And also, which how are these going to interact with the other elements? I try my best to be a DM's friend uh, as a player because I know how hard it can be when you have like a character who just feels like they have a different journey who should not be here. So I often try to lean into supporting that. That being said, mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I, I'm right there with you when it when it comes to mechs. Um, if I can be a pilot slash mechanic, I am I'm so down for it. Um, I'm very much there. Um, so for superheroes, if you got to play any superhero TTRPG um, and the group had everything covered and so that you could play whatever you wanted, now that I know how to kind of like uh, focus you there, um, what would be like if you just got to create whatever you wanted because the group was pretty much covered and every, you know, everything was covered. What would you what would you what kind of superhero would you want to build uh, in terms of like I'm, I'll just for mass beacon powerless leader? <laughs> I I love playing in the space of someone like I like playing low powered or no powered superheroes when the rest of the team has them. Um, it's I, I like to deal with. Don't unpack this. This, by the way, let's not, don't think about the words that are about to come next. Uh, I really like to play in the space of like being completely trying to deal with feelings of like inadequacy as a leader of like, am I doing a good enough job? Uh, can I, what can I do with nothing more than like a bow or some martial arts when I have teammates who can throw a car in reverse gravity and having to deal with like that sort of, how do I feel good enough and good enough to lead other people it it's a fun challenge and it's a weird headspace that i like to get into once again don't unpack this all right robin so um <laughs> uh nightwing's one of my favorite <laughs> characters i love him oh i'm right there with you some of the extent i am i will say this about batman stuff and um i actually uh i used to own it and i can't find my book of it uh, but I used to run and play a lot of the DC t uh, tabletop role-playing game. And um, I ran Bat Family a couple times. And I will tell you, I'm a much bigger fan of extended Bat Family than I am Batman and Robin. Um, I, I love Batwing. I yes. love Batwing. Um, give me Batwing. Um, give me Batwoman. Give me Oracle. Um, I, 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 yeah, like, like. I, I like those characters. And I also, I, de I definitely like... Uh, the techie side of Oracle more than, and, uh, like, I, I love that aspect. Uh, oh, yeah. I love, I love, I could talk Batman for a while. <laughs> um, I, I, oh, poor, it's been a rough week for Batman. That's all I'll say. I just thought about that. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no. Uh, that has been brought up a couple times on things. Um, I, I love the, uh, the Alfred standing that's been going on. Um, I, I love the things being said about Alfred in that. Um, I, I, there's too much. Yes. It's been a weird, it's been a weird <laughs> week. For, I love, and I, the, it, it hurts me because I love DC comics so much more than Marvel Ooh. because DC, I like, I, I grew up on like X-Men and Spider-Man stuff. And like the realism of that got me in like a very real way as growing up, like as I was growing up and like up until teenage stuff. And then I began to, like, really love how over-the-top in the best ways that, like, Superman is as a person. I, I really love Superman a lot. And the idea of, like, Superman's just a really good dude. And, like, that's that's just at the core of his person. He's a good dude who wants to do everything he can. And I love that. Uh, and I also just love how weird certain characters are in DC. Detective Chimp is my favorite superhero of all time. So I like to get... I like out there like superhero ideas a lot um gorilla city makes me uh just really happy because it's weird so on a scale of superman icon of good to oh, i'm trying to think of who would be on that far end um on like the is it like a cynicism scale uh almost um all the way over to just you know 
are they actually a hero, uh, anti-hero, almost to the supervillain side of things? Where do you like to play, um, and where do you wish that you could play more of that you don't get to? Okay. I, shockingly enough, I'm a Boy Scout. Um, <laughs> like, it's shocking. Like, everything about me doesn't scream that I'm very much a try my best to be very good. Um, I like to play, I love playing scumbags. Uh, so I like to play in the space of scumbag. So somewhere who's not anti-hero, but definitely would never listen to Superman if Superman had to sit down and talk to you. The, the energy of like, I don't, and I think what it is, is like playing in more of the jaded space of someone who has experienced like a harder, like experienced a harsh, a harshness that you don't often see in superhero stuff. Like the, someone who has a villain's origin of like, I've had to scrape and scrape to get by but they still believe in like doing a good thing. That is a space I really like to play in that I, I am part of a, a podcast that's still in development where I'm playing a delinquent in the game masks in which I, I am someone from just, just like poor, like a, a very poor background who has had to scrimp to survive. And like all of my powers are based around the idea of negating superpowers. So I want to fight people on my own level. And that is a space I really like of like, I don't like superheroes because of the way they get to just sort of worry about the nice parts of town, but they will never worry about the systemic parts of town. That's, that is a space I like to play in. Um, in terms of like what I like to do more, I would like to try being bad for once, like straight up anti-hero. I think it'd be very fun for me because I do not play, I, I play like jerks with a heart of gold. I don't play jerks often. <laughs> Uh, so on that, and you being a DC fan, um, I had to look up uh, Midnighter and Apollo. Um, oh, nice. And I'm trying to remember when he became... I used to read Wildstorm comics before it got enveloped by DC, and I'm trying to figure out when that happened. I can't remember uh, when that happened. It was the New 52, so that's like 2012, I think. Was it that late? I thought it was a little earlier. But um, so I don't remember when New Fifty Two happened. It, it's a weird time in my brain. Um, so Midnighter and Apollo. Uh, with the way that you talk, have you ever checked them out? Because they, it almost seems like that's like right up your alley. Um, it's a bit off topic like, for TTRPGs, but oh, I mean, we're still talking about the idea of heroism. This works. Um, <laughs> I haven't played or I haven't read much. Like I know of them, but I have not looked into it that hard. Like. As a kid, one of the things I always wanted to do was, like, I've, I've always wanted to write, like, for DC one day. But, like, Milestone was always the energy that really got me. I love Milestone just, like, as a, as a universe setting of, like, here is a community, like, especially Static Shock, of, like, the, the government was actively malicious into, like, making in giving these people these powers. Or people getting superpowers was an act of malicious, like, thing that happened due to like factors like white supremacy and getting to play into like more systemic evil is something i really like um like very old school 1920s superman throwing like dealing with bank robbers or not bank robbers but dealing with like bad business people and like robber barons essentially that has always been a thing that unfortunately because of the nature of superhero comics and mega corporations fighting does not get to happen super often anymore in like the big space um, but yeah, I would absolutely love to read Midnight and Apollo stuff. I need to look, I need to get back into reading comics more. Reading has been rough lately. Uh, for those of you out there that are not aware, um, Midnighter is basically like a, a sort of like darker, meaner, more brutal Batman. Um, and Apollo is, um, sort of like a, a Superman character. Um, but it's also like somebody wrote fan fiction because, uh, they're totally gay for each other. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think that they are officially dating, but I don't know if how much that has actually like crossed over and done stuff. Um, now I will say this because I've accidentally done this a couple times when like Googling them. Uh, there is also an Apollo in the Marvel verse. Um, and they actually do have some costumes that look similar. So do be careful when you're Googling, uh, just like when you Google Captain Marvel, you can end up back and forth between DC and, uh, um, DC and Marvel on that as well. Um. Yeah, that's. I forgot that's Warren Ellis. Like some of that's Warren Ellis stuff too. That makes that tracks. 
that that absolutely tracks. So, um, you said that you like things that are definitely more along the lines of like, where there's some stuff pre-created, um, so to speak, like playbooks and things like that. Um, what is something that, is that something that you always try to gravitate towards and look for? Uh, cause you said that you feel that like for you, it's easier and it's able for you to more define certain things. And, um, you know, is that something that you always look for? Um, I think it, a lot of it's a mix of what I look for in my group. My group, we are all like my, I, and when I say my group, I mean the one I, I DM for off stream, the one you'll never see because that's, that's my secret one for me. Um, my, my Tuesday group, we are all aggressively, we all aggressively have ADD in the very similar ways. So I know the exact way that like, we all have trouble focusing on certain things and I can handle crunch a bit more because I do enjoy that depending on the system. And I have like, you know, that fondness for mechs, but my party does not. So I know like playbook stuff is a good way of like, here's something that is similar that we won't have to learn too much different. That means we're not going to be out of like playing time for long because having to balance schedules uh, as mine gets more and more upsetting uh, and wild with like, we are all 20 year 20 somethings who are like doing college or trying to adult stuff. Um, it's a good way of like by doing playbooks it it really evens out a lot of the work to get stuff done a lot faster um like it took a month or two of like building my home my homebrewed like D campaign from the ground up from like map building or like map building and like world building when like something like let's say masks or like monster of the week what's like it takes me a week to to get that stuff set up because of enough of how constrained it is for me to start uh so i'm gonna go a little bit off the rails uh for just a second as a game dev um if you were handed a game of crunch but in that game of crunch there was basically a sort of um checklist or, or pseudo playbook that uh helped you to create a world is that something that would be of interest in you and that you feel that could potentially save some time and help you to make something for your group at home. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, it, it, yes, <laughs> short answer. Yes. I think having something like that, where there's like, all right, what, what's a good, especially depending on the type of system, what was going to facilitate more like adventures or more storytelling opportunities. And like, here's a couple of examples, even just some like, really solid but easy to like produce examples that like it doesn't take a day of like reading through and like all right if you want this then this will be a good thing sometimes as simple as like roll a couple dice or like here's a pretty easy checklist and i can start figuring out stuff from there that stuff can all just start compounding together in a really good way it's the same thing of like a game like the quiet year where like like the way those cards just add up on each other can really end up working out sometimes in a way that's really good for just building a, a background world what is something um, that you specifically look for uh, when you're looking at games that you feel are fit into the gay um, genre, as you were saying earlier? Um, I think what are, how much time or dedication is there to the idea of just talking and just in RP in general? Okay. Um, because my people, like my, my group, they're very RP heavy and RP focused in a way that's, I think very, like, I, I love it. Um, and we tend to do a lot of character exploration through RP, um, through, through RP and then, you know, combat or whatever the sort of action is helps, helps work through that. But we like to sit and talk a lot of it. So if there's a decent amount of, ideas around talking or any sort of just getting to discuss that as long as that is acknowledged then it feels good and like can fit in that gay that gay genre and sometimes like it doesn't even need to be a relationship-based thing um like a game like thirsty square lesbians having like you know a whole kissing mechanic or anything i love that but i don't need i don't need that necessarily uh have you ever checked out the game dread Yes, I okay. have. 
I love Dread. I haven't played it in like three years, but I really do like it. It's well, it's also been kind of hard to play Dread for about a year and a half, so you know. Yes, uh, that's uh, my partner's favorite uh, horror game of all time. Uh, she loves running it. And uh, we tried to find ways to run it on a stream. And it was honestly one of the weirdest things that I've done in a long time. Or a podcast. Was that a podcast or a stream now? Now I don't remember. I sometimes do too much and forget what things are. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you, you tried 10 Candles as well. Yes, I was going to mention 10 Candles. Um, have you gotten to play and or run 10 Candles? I have not. Um, I've had like one or two really dedicated people on TikTok being like, yo, you need to try 10 Candles. Everything you say, you got to try 10 Candles. And I need to one day. Um, it's like, I've been really wanting to. It's just get, getting time for it would be the hardest part. I will say, especially for Tin Candles, um, Tin Candles is one of those things that, uh, for those of you out there that have not played it, um, you if you're going to play it on stream or socially distanced, you want to make sure that everybody knows the game and is ready for the game beforehand. Because when you start lighting those candles, when you start getting things in, um very much so the length of the game is going to be determined by how quickly those candles get lit and how um so if people are taking a long time during the character creation setup you're already going to be like partially burned through those candles and it's going to last a lot less time um also don't get big candles i don't i don't know why i've seen this on a couple of things where people have like tall candles Please don't do that. You you are unless your group is planning to play for like a whole day, do not get the big candles. Um, that's not directed directly at you. Just in case, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm like just. Uh, but oh, no, no, you're good. I I, I was uh, I, I had somebody invited me to come and watch something. Um, they, they were recording for a podcast and they were going to do uh, and they were showing me, and I was like, I don't think that I can watch this. Um, because I am scared for how long this is going to take you. Um, oh, no. And I was like, look, just light a candle and just watch how long it takes to burn down before you do that game. Um, and uh, they said that they ended up cutting those candles in half. And I'm still <sighs> horrified because uh, I think that they said that it took almost like eight hours for the candle to burn down. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So, I mean, granted... Tea light candles lasted us almost, uh, I think it was like three and a half hours when we did a Star Wars version of Tin Candles. So Nice. Um, that would be a fun way to do that. I've been wanting to do a Rogue One thing at some point for my crew. Uh, and, and Everyone Dies game is fun. Yes, it is meant to be played. Um, Artemis Harp says, I think Tin Candles is meant to be played with tea lights. It really is meant to be played with tea lights, but I've had people be like, I want something Hi, a little bit longer. And they go for non tea lights, and so that's why that's why I'm adding that up. Um, like now, I know people that are like, I want to do the classic. Like we've got all day, and it, okay, if there was a group of people that I like and trusted that said, Hey, let's go rent a cabin or like some beautiful piece of property, and let's just game all weekend and have like a mini convention, and let's do ten candles, and we could dedicate a whole day to sitting around playing ten candles. I would totally light giant candles for that. I would do that. I I would need to rotate out. I need I need a I need a second. I needed someone to just play me for like a few <laughs> hours at a time. That is I, I've done like a twelve hour like session of a game before and I held on the best of us and we all we were all haggard by the end. I can't do it anymore. Um I, I'm I'm thirty five this year as of a couple days ago, um as of yesterday. Um, Happy belated, by the way. I did see that. Thank you. Um, I was so wiped out from the stream. I meant to say something. <laughs> uh, I will say, 10 years ago, if you told me that you wanted to play 10, 12 hours, I would have been there. Um, three years ago, I tried something again where it was like eight, eight-ish hours and um, in one day, and I was burnt out. And I'm like, no, I'm not too young. I can still do this. And now I'm just like this year. I'm like, I want to do something like that again. Um, and I am so stubborn that I would push through it, but it would be like the, the thing attacks you. What thing? The thing. 
we're not using miniatures. Yeah, well, that thing attached. <laughs> like, it's, that's how I... Think of the be. thing that scares you the most. That yes. thing. <laughs> um, uh. I, I will say, if you're looking for something that's extremely rules light, that you want to have fun, um, take the basis of Dread and Tin Candles, and you don't have to just run them as horror. There's a lot of ways that you can change that to be something else. If you want something that is just super about telling a story, those are two really great systems for that. Um, if you want something with a little bit more crunch, um, something that can um, kind of handle um, a little bit more about it, um, th then something like Fate or Fudge might be good for you. Um, oh, yeah. Those are both. I, I have a soft spot for Fate as well. I'm a bigger fan of Fudge, and the only reason I'm a bigger fan is because Fudge was the original, and not trying to do like an Edition Wars or anything like that, but Fudge was about building and tailoring the game world and the system together, and Fate has a preset of a lot of the things. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, and so I've there, done them both. Yeah, so Fate is great. Don't get me wrong, folks. If you're out there and you have like one of the different versions of Fate that you really enjoy... Don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, I don't like the dice mechanic for Fate. It, it can be a fun, like, quick thing. But um, if you're looking for something quick and fun, go for Fate. If you're looking for something that's very rules light that you can more tailor to you, go grab a copy of Fudge. It's free, and it uses the same exact dice as Fate, but you can 100% tailor it to, like, you pick the stats and skills, or you can just do all stats or all skills. Like, it is literally a pick-your-own-adventure-as-the-game-runner um, and build from there out. And um, it, 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 if you're not in that mindset where you can build everything, definitely go to Fate. Um, and having brought that up, um, I, I think that while I, I, I don't like the dice as much, I, I feel like um, even though predominantly I have been at cishet tables for Fate, um, I think that Fate and Fudge can definitely have a way of being freer in the ability to just define things um that for queer gamers i think that they can almost latch onto in a way um i don't know how about oh, you yeah. feel about it but uh, i know that you said you enjoyed fate but yeah um so uh ironically enough it's stream of it's happening right now van wizards uh is a game that uh someone i've worked with a friend of mine john johnsick uh they're they're doing that uses it's I want to say it's fate like fate slash fudge. I, I don't remember exactly what it's they've been very passionate and been messing around with it a lot. I've been on that I've been like working and watching the game from the ground floor. Um so I it it has led to me creating one of my favorite like uh my one shot warrior pixel who I've used in like five different systems because of how open ended it was for like building some initial stuff of like, oh, I'm gonna take this and this and this and this and that's both open-ended enough that I can then in pretty much just with a little bit of like smoothing over put this character into any game in which I have a one shot that requires me to not have to think too hard about like what the personality is going to be now just about the way the character is going to play hold on one second so sorry okay Sorry, I had a dancing partner over here, and I had to find out what they were trying to say. So, <laughs> um, you're all good. So, uh, we got a few minutes left. What is something that you want to say that we haven't covered about uh, TTRPGs and just anything queer? How do we feel about GMless games here? <laughs> um, I don't think we've, we just haven't touched on GMless stuff yet. That's true. I will be 100% honest. I, I have issues with GMless games, and it's mostly because I was I, I came up when like there wasn't really any. Um, and so it's been kind of a thing. I have also been at a, a table where like you get people that start adding some really weird stuff and then like and not even just like, hey, we need to, we need to talk safety here. Just like, you're just kind of like, where has this even gone? I thought we were playing, you know, kids inside of a mall, and now all of a sudden we're in a dimensional space with, like, marshmallow people. Like, um, I, I think yeah. GMless games have to be played. Either they have to have a lot of rules, like, gearing towards what everything's about, or um, you have to be at tables where 
you trust people's not not exactly trust but um everyone that has the same the same general game plan yes yes um i will also say i'm trying to write a jamless game so um yeah <laughs> it's i i like i because i made the cookout in like one night of hyperfixating, which was a, a nightmare um but like yeah they're a weird one i like them a lot uh when they go well they go great when it doesn't go well it's it, it's like improv comedy where like good improv is good bad improv is really bad <laughs> And like it's always a, it's always the risk of like everyone has to be on their A game and be like it like especially for like anything like that where it is more comedy based, everyone's gotta be on their A game and like willing to yes and. Um a one I've really liked was Kingdom is a is a fun GMless game that I enjoyed. Uh because it's just political bickering and I enjoy that. I haven't heard of that. I like one. to argue. Yes. Um once I, I learned about this one from Friends of the Table as well um that is a, a great podcast to listen to if you just want to see a bunch of non like non D or non like wizards or paizo based uh anything like they they will there's a lot of hacking and original systems and just shouting out constantly a bunch of like whatever like game they get their hands on They're like you know we're gonna mess around with this if this story is going to facilitate better for like a few weeks they played kingdom because they had like sort of reached a good point where it's time to start discussing like big scale politics of this of that of like that season. So they switch it up and just do a completely different game. And I love that. Uh, yes, we have a show here on uh, RPGR Studios that kind of does something like that. Uh, they haven't met in a while. And uh, because we are switching from Discord to Gilded, which, oh, gosh, I forgot to do all of the other things over here. Um, ha -ha. um why don't you go ahead and let us know where people can uh, let folks know where they can find you and other stuff that you are working on. All right. Let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me get, get this going. I want to make sure I have my plugs ready. I'm really bad. I'm terrible about plugs because I'll, I'll, I will forget one. Like last night I like meant to say, and then last but not least, I'm going to be out, like completely forgot. I'm terrible at remembering them making me remember anything I'm going to do in two days is, is rude to me. Um, okay. So let me, let me, let me get going. Hi, if you enjoyed this, I am NB Dare. You can find most of what I do on Twitter or TikTok at NB Dare. That is E-N-B-Y-D-A-R-E. -E. Most of what I do can be found on Twitter. I will tweet about it at random times of the day. Um, I am a dice affiliate with Die Hard Dice. So if you like dice, Go to dieharddice.com, use the promo code DAREJUNE, you will get 10% off your next purchase. I know we're planning on switching some stuff up with, like, the affiliate codes, so hopefully they last longer. Um, and, like, hopefully it's not just a one-time purchase. I have a GMless tabletop game called The Cookout. You can find the link to that on my Twitter um, or at uh, nbdare at itch.io. It's a GMless game. Juneteenth is tomorrow, so I recommend it for any any uh especially for for black folks out there who want to have like a fun game of just hanging out and arguing at like with some good drinks and some good 90s music um i am going to be doing a guest gming uh for charity over at emerald city game masters guild uh, i'm going to be doing a charity event the 25th uh where i will be running a game of thirsty sword lesbians that is sort of a discord like based event where a ticket for one a one day passes 30 dollars a two day passes 50 and all of that's going to charity. So if you have heard me GM before, which, who boy, and you thought I was someone you could trust with that, go there. Um, in terms of other big plugs, I have a podcast uh, with Banana Chan of Banana Chan Games about The Circle. Uh, so if you like trash TV and you want to hear me think way too hard about it analytically, go check out Open Circle. It's on Apple and Spotify. Uh, and last big plug, I am a cast member of the Ephemeral Forest um the ephemeral forest is a wonderful like group of all queer uh, content creators i play in neverland's call which is a bi-weekly uh queer dnd 5e game which sort of uses the world of neverland that plays every other friday not this one the one after um and if you want to hear my voice more i did a 
I, I GM'd my first time on stream yesterday. So please check that VOD. It was a nightmare in all the good ways. I have no words for that one. That one was something special. I think I'm good on plugs. <laughs> uh, hey, folks. Uh, this is Indie RPG Hour, where I try to gather some folks to talk about different kinds of topics in regards to tabletop role-playing. Um, as the name states, we usually try and stick just uh, more towards indie games or uh, lesser-known games, uh, no matter how long they've been out. Um, this is a part of the RPG Hour Studios uh, network. There's a lot of shows that we do. Granted, a lot of the times you can find myself or my partner on one of those things, uh, but that we are trying to move towards what we wanted it to be the whole time, where we're more in the background producing things, and we're other people on the forefront. So if you want to be on one of the time slots where we don't have anything, right now we're only Wednesdays, uh, Fridays, and Saturdays. If you want to do a tabletop thing, head over to Gilded. We are no longer on Discord. Our Discord is shutting down. Our Discord is very slowly going the way of the dumpster. Um, Gilded offers a lot more things. So go over to Gilded.gg RPG Hour Studios. Uh, we do blasts in there about things that we're like, we're like hey, we're kind of thinking about doing this. We get a feel of if there's anybody interested in there. And then those people can be involved in early conversations. And then we start recruiting from outside the server. So if you're curious of why th we might talk about something and then it never goes forward. Um, because nobody says anything in the server. Um, so, like, that's where we recruit from. That's where we start some things on. Um, and also, if you come in there and be like, hey, I want to do something. Uh, then one of us will grab you. Um, like I said, it's still fairly, like it's been around for a little bit, but it's still fairly newish in regards to uh, some of the interactions in there. Um, if you're not using Gilded, I will say this, I'm not sponsored by Gilded, but if you are still using Discord and you are having to use a lot of extra software, scheduling software, stuff like that, do consider a switch over to Gilded. Gilded has schedulers built in, has calendars built in, has forums um, instead of just simply chat things. Do consider Gilded. Uh, it, there's an amazing thing that you can do over there, um, and you can add an application to the beginning so people have to say, uh, yes, we agree to inclusivity. Yes, we agree to not being uh, assholes and dick bags and things like that before they come in. Um, otherwise, uh, my partner and I work on tabletop role-playing games together, rpghour.itch.io, um, and we have a lot of different shows. If you search RPG Hour, RPG Hour Studios, uh, you can find a lot of our stuff. We have Our Adventures, uh, which I am backlogged on editing podcasts. I am so sorry, folks. I am getting those out, and I am retroing some of those. Um, there is Our Adventures, which is um, basically non-cishet white men jumping in and playing games. That is the whole point of that show. If that sounds like fun to you, there's a podcast where basically it's rotating game masters, um, and that's the whole point of that show. Um, if you're, uh, We have a Star Wars show. Um, we've lost a couple of people due to, um, just like trying just a lot of different things in their personal lives. Um, but we are still doing Star Wars. It's called Star Wars Legacies. Uh, we also have, um, uh, some streams that we turn into podcasts, which is Mechton Heist, which is currently every Saturday right now. Uh, tomorrow starts the first time where we are doing an actual play with the characters and we are going until the end of July uh, we also have Routes Unknown, which is on hiatus until July. That's when Season 2 starts. That is a queer-focused uh, Monster of the Week game, um, which we may or may not be looking to add some folks. So if you like Monster of the Week, you are queer, and you, like f and you have first and third Wednesdays open, please join the Gilded. Please say something. Um, and I feel like I am forgetting something. Oh, Beacons of Calistray is a show that I produce that is an Aether actual play where the creator, Eldritch Crow, uh, runs their game, um, and they have a lot of things that go on in the background um, that we work on together. Uh, that is, I, I turn that into a podcast, um, and all my VODs go straight over to the YouTube. Go to my feed, and you can find links to that. I also put everything in playlists, so if you click over, you can find where you can see different kinds of things, and I'm still adding some old stuff on there as well. I think that is everything for plugs. I am just as bad at plugs. Um, I Love think that. that is everything. Uh, so until the dice roll again, folks. <laughs>